It is so good for us to be here with you to celebrate the work of the Spiritus Christi Prison Outreach. We're so happy to be able to share some of the miracles that we witness each and every day in this work. It is also really good for us who work within the prison outreach to be reminded that there's a wonderful community with us, supporting us, praying for us. You truly are the wind beneath our wings, and we are ever so grateful. We could not do this work without you. Thank you, Spiritus Christi. We have learned through this church, and we believe with our whole heart, that each and every person is created in the image and likeness of God. And we believe that how we treat each person, regardless of what they have done, is how we treat our loving God. Thanks to you, Spiritus Christi, we are able to welcome 20 men into our Nielsen House mansion, which you purchased just two years ago. We are able to welcome 10 women into Jennifer House, and this year we're renovating the Jennifer House that needs a bit of a facelift. Each person that we welcome has a history of incarceration and homelessness. And on behalf of Spiritus Christi, we welcome them with open arms and we say, welcome home. We are so glad that you are here. We give them a basket that's filled with all kinds of personal items and treats. We show them their room, their pillow has been fluffed up, their bed has been made. We offer them coffee, we show them the refrigerator, we say, help yourself. This is your home. Welcome. We have 35 employees at the Spiritus Christi Prison Outreach Program, and they provide 24-hour, seven days a week, love, care, and support. 90% of our employees uh, that are in the direct care service are people who themselves have a history of incarceration and homelessness. They are truly our superpower. They offer hope and inspiration to all. They say to the new residents, I have been there. If I can do it, you can do it. And we will be with you every step of the way. Once a resident has been with us six months, they are able to graduate to our permanent supportive housing program. We currently have 60 apartments that the graduates of Nielsen House and Jennifer House can go to when, when they're ready for independent living. In the next two years, we'll increase that to 85 apartments. This is all made possible through our wonderful partnership with Home Leasing, Rochester Housing Authority, Partners Ending Homelessness, and New York State. And we love to be able to offer a resident a set of keys and show them their new apartment and say, welcome home. For many, this is the first apartment they may have ever had. And we let them know we will be with them every step of the way. There's a Spiritus Christi staff person right there with them in an office on site that's available to help them should they bump into some obstacles and support them and coach them and celebrate with them. We have learned through our, our um, family reunification program that many, many of the residents that we are working with are parents, moms and dad. We, were, we served 140 people last year, and they have a total of 136 children. The work that they're doing on their life really impacts the next generation. In our permanent supportive housing program, we have children and we have, um, we have other women that are expecting children, and they have a safe 
home to be able to bring their new child in. And they have hope for their child and they have hope for the future. Thank you, Spiritus Christi. We are so happy and we are so fortunate to have these incredible resources for the men, women, and children of the prison outreach. Yet we, we would be remiss if we did not let you know for each apartment that we are offering, there are 200 people in our community desperately in need of housing, people that are also homeless and really need a chance. We believe at Spiritus Christi that housing should be a basic human right, but we live in a community where that simply is not the case. We have learned and we have seen that if a person of color gets involved with the criminal justice system, they are far more likely to go to jail or prison. If you are white, you are more likely to be offered treatment court or mental health court or felony diversion court. This is just so unfair. This is a terrible injustice that we, work, we are working hard against. Our outreach efforts are trying to get beyond the barriers that uh, prevent people from having access to the great resources that Spirit as Christi have. And we are intentionally saying that we want our houses to represent the population of the people who are incarcerated, the people who need it the most. <laughs> we have a lot of work to do. I can so relate to Peter in the gospel. I too love the mountaintop. Every morning I build my tent, I get my cup of coffee, I do my prayer, I do my reflection. I'm so comfortable, I meditate, I pray, I'm safe in my community. I can walk down my streets and I don't have to look over my back. I so want everybody to have that, don't you? I call this my suburban cocoon. And like Peter, I am insulated and comfortable there, yet I need to be called out of it so my spirit will soar. Jesus is saying to Peter, come on, Peter. Jesus is saying to Jimmy, come on, Jimmy. Jesus is saying to Spiritus Christi, come on, Spiritus Christi. We've got a lot to work to do. The only way that we will ever achieve equity and to ensure that all people have a safe place and opportunities is if we're willing to be a little uncomfortable and share the abundant resources that we have been giving and create opportunities for others. We believe that every man, woman, and child wholeheartedly deserves this. We have two very courageous residents of our permanent part of housing program that are willing to share a bit of their journey with you. They are a great inspiration to all of us at the prison outreach. They are what gives us a joy and privilege to come to work each and every day, and we are delighted to share them with you. Please give a Spiritus Christi welcome to Rob and to Nikki. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Robert. I am alumni from the Nielsen House. Um, I guess I will start off with, um, I grew up on the streets of Rochester. Um, starting at a young age, my life consisted of 
drugs, alcohol, jails, hospitals, rehabilitation centers. Um, that went on for years. Um, and um, I've been shot, stabbed, locked up, locked down. Um, one time I got stabbed in the heart and I died that night. That was back in 1995 and the doctors brought me back. So I'm fortunate and grateful to be alive today. Um, there's a lot of things that happened in between there too. A lot of, a lot of, a lot, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> um, I'm, like I said, I'm fortunate and grateful to be standing here today. And I'm grateful that you, Spiritus Christie, asked me to share today. Um, I'm gonna go ahead to 2019 when I was accepted into the Nielsen House. And the first time I was accepted in the Nielsen House, I kind of passed on it. I was like, oh no, everything's all right now. You know, it's going good. But uh, like a month or two later, I was accepted again. There was another bed opening. So I took that bed and I went into the Nielsen House. And my thinking was, it's another, another halfway house. I'll do my 60 days or whatever, get back out and be right back to where I was, you know. But I got in there and it was, it was, it's a family. It's, it's a brotherhood. Um, I got in there and I learned, I was there for six months and I learned some discipline, some structure. I learned how to do things that I didn't, wasn't used to doing, like my own laundry and cooking and being, just being respectful to my fellow brothers. Cause when I'm out in the streets, I wasn't, it wasn't like that. You know, it was all, all about me. You know, I didn't care about you or me or anybody. So um, today I stand before you with four years clean and sober. Um, I don't, I, thank you, thank you. I don't, this is awesome. This, this. I feel like I'm Hollywood or something, you know, I'm in a movie set or something. <laughs> but um, I work for the Nielsen House today. Um, I got out, I had gotten out of the Nielsen House and volunteered for like 300 hours, and then they hired me on, so today I worked for Spiritus Christie, and I've been working there for probably three years now, just about three years. Um, I love helping others, I love helping other people. Um, I have a driver's license today, I have a relationship with my daughter, with my granddaughter, um, my dad, I take care of my dad the best I can, sometimes it's just calling him, because I can't make it down there, but I go down there as much as I can, because he's really sick. Um, so living amends and stuff like that. Spiritus Christi, Christi brought me to, they connected me with, my, with a higher power, they connected me with my sponsor, with Alcoholics Anonymous, with people that care about me and got me to care about myself. So today I try to help anybody I can the best I can, you know, and um, I love Spiritus Christi. I, I, I'm forever grateful. Um, and I'll close with this, like I always do, is... Um, if you're, if you're sitting here thinking your donation or your contribution, what's that going to do? Just think of 100 people or 1,000 people did that. How many people that, that could change? How many lives that could change? Bringing people back with their children, with their parents, you know, and just taking care of people in hospitals and stuff. So I'm truly grateful, and that's all. Thank you. Good morning, my name is Nikki Rush. Uh, 
morning. Okay, so uh, as I've said at the previous two, I'm gonna take this a different way, so here goes. Uh, I was born in Anchorage, Alaska on September 28, 1974 to a Rush male and a Morris female. We came back to South Carolina three years after my birth when my father wanted to be closer to his family. My father abused my mother. I remember hearing it as a child, so my mother left. However, she didn't take any of us with her. Having left behind five children and me the oldest, I migrated into the position of caretaker for my siblings. After she left, my father began molesting me. I got pregnant several times and abortions became second nature because my father was a preacher and no one could know what was really going on in our home. One of his children he attempted to abort with a wire hanger. For days afterwards, riding on the bus, I remember having chills and the very movement of the bus being my worst nightmare internally. My father preached to perfection before people who looked like you. Inside our home, though, was a vastly different story. He abused my siblings physically and emotionally, and me sexually and emotionally. He told me he loved me and was going to marry me and take care of me. This to a child who had no understanding of what was right or wrong. Finally, he sent me to my aunt when I was 17, and he, as he had previously done to my two younger brothers. With my aunt in Rochester, I was taken out to a club and introduced to alcohol. It took away the pain until it didn't, uh, and we were bed, bedfellows for some time. I later met my daughter's father and became pregnant. I was a broken, torn, and tattered young woman with no idea of what motherhood meant because I'd never had an example. You can imagine how I came to blame and loathe slash hate God for some time afterward. Having been loosed into the world in such a tattered state, with no real sense of self-worth or spirituality, I became a tornado in my life, my daughter's life, and others. I ran with her from state to state, shelter to shelter. There were jobs, uh, we were homeless, there were abusive relationships and codependency with the idea of needing a male to validate me. One of those relationships uh, even said I could strip and I tried so unsuccessfully for a time. Finally, a picture of my daughter at the age of 12 or 13 stopped me dead in my tracks. She was so unhappy, no light, no life, and all my fault. So I called my sister here in Rochester uh, as I was in Spartanburg, South Carolina at the time and proposed her getting my daughter and me going to treatment. She reminded me about all the treatment places here in Rochester and bought both my daughter and I tickets. My daughter stayed with her and I began the road to recovery. 
When I first arrived in Rochester, I met an angel in the form of a professional who spoke light and love into my darkness and who showed me how the power of love from one person to another can awaken a soul. After that, however, there were more relapses. In 2019, I attempted to kill myself with stolen medications from my job. I lost a job, lost my apartment, lost my furniture. I thought those were the most important things that, that I could have lost, but I realized sometime later that I lost something of much more value. I had lost myself. I had a psych stay that led to me surrendering my nurse's license. At the time, I was a licensed practical nurse. And then an intro to the Jennifer House of Spiritus Christi. I packed what I could get into my Chevy Traverse and moved into the house and later lost my Traverse. <laughs> At the peak, there were 13 women in Jennifer House. And during COVID, so with my own two personalities, and 13 women in staff with varying personalities, there were a lot of people to deal with. Jennifer House put up with my craziness. My thinking, I knew better, was better, and could do better. They gave it to me not so nice and easy when needed, but loved me until I learned, until I learned to love myself. They were the women who guided my life into recovery and solidified it there uh, until today. I am today approaching three and a half years clean. Since coming to Jennifer House uh, and having completed the program, because I did stay, even though many times I wanted to leave, I did so because they were correct and that my best thinking had gotten me there. I attained my associate's degree in nursing, my bachelor's degree in nursing, and despite a professor telling me I didn't have what it takes for the nurse practitioner's program, I pressed on toward the goal of a psych nurse, nurse practitioner. Psych for the reason that I want clients who sit with me to know that there is, there is nothing they can say to me that I have not experienced. And if I, have, if I was able to come through it, so too can they. Uh, from that time to this, my relationship with my daughter, before very tumultuous, has become better than it has ever been. We've worked on past issues, however, continue to be a work in progress. The girl who came into recovery, not knowing who she was, grew to be a woman of esteem who now knows God had nothing to do with my father's actions and has a deeply spiritual relationship and no longer needs the validation of others. Most days I feel self-confident and self-assured of where my life is going and that I am in the will of my heavenly father. I've come quite a way and feel that with one hand in my heavenly fathers and the other hand in fellowship, my story will come to empower others to do and be better. Thank you.